everything I did, I was in the limelight. It was always performance driven. And that's what I, I thrived on because I thought if I could perform, people would like me and they would accept me. One Sunday morning, I got up and and uh, my wife at the time had found some um, love notes. And so that had exposed the relationship or what was going on. And, and I just told her, I said, I need to spend some time by myself today. And I wasn't getting it here. And so I started searching for it there. And that's where it actually led up to my crime and everything else that happened. And I'd gone so far off the other direction. I just, I got sick of looking in the mirror and seeing who I had become. I walked into that room. I got down on my knees beside that bed and just started pouring my heart out to God. King David is regarded by most to be the greatest king of Israel. As a boy, he killed the giant named Goliath. He became a soldier, a warrior, and eventually was made king of Israel. He established Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel. He wrote about half of Psalms, and Jesus Christ himself is from his lineage. However, King David is also known for his affair with Bathsheba, and that affair led him down a path of destruction that had dire consequences. Have you ever been on a path of destruction? Have you ever made decisions that have cost you so much more than you wanted to give? How does a person turn from this path of destruction? Is redemption even possible? Can God use the wreckage of my bad choices and turn them into something good? These are just some of the questions that I want to ask our guest today as he shares his life change story with us. I'm Eric Hutchinson, and this is the If Nothing Changes podcast. Our guest is joining us via Zoom today all the way from Texas. So, hey, Pastor, why don't you introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are? Well, thanks for having me on today, Eric. I'm Pastor Stephen Wilson from Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas. So, Stephen, the uh, the listeners don't know this, but uh, you are kind of related to me. Not really, but kind of. So uh, just so the listeners know, the way I got uh, Stephen on here was that my niece, my wife's sister's daughter, so my niece, her husband uh, is Stephen's son. So I don't know if that's a legitimate uh, uh, relation, probably not. But uh, anyway, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I know just a very little about your story, so I'm really excited to have the listeners hear about it. So let's start off with this. Tell us where you're from. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family. For sure. Um, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, and lived here my entire life. That's still where I live today, and a little town on the north side of Fort Worth called Wataga, uh, which if you're not from around here, you probably don't know that, but that's where I grew up was Wataga and uh, had an amazing childhood going up, growing up, have two older sisters. Um, but we used to joke that my mom and dad are like June and Ward Cleaver. I mean, they are amazing parents. I grew up in the most amazing uh, home you could ever, I don't know, think of. Um, very supportive. They loved me. They were there at everything I ever did. So amazing mom and dad. So how much older are your sisters than you? Um, well, my sisters like to say I get everything because I'm the baby in the family. Um, and one of them is six years older than me. And the other one is nine years older than me. And they both got married very young. And so they were out of the house, you know, basically when I was in elementary school, they were gone and I was 
got everything from that point on, according to them, everything was all about Steven. So, <laughs> so whenever we have older siblings, sometimes uh, that's actually a good thing. Sometimes our relationship's really good with our siblings. Sometimes whenever they're closer together, the siblings fight like cats and dogs. It sounds to me like you had a, a good relationship with your sisters. Yeah, we did have a great relationship. Now, my oldest one actually moved off when I was like 10 or 11 years old. Uh, she was married to a pastor and they moved off to Florida. And so every summer, our vacations were always spent driving back and forth to Florida to see the family down there and spend time with them. And so um, our, it was more like a long distance relationship. But summers and Christmas, we would go there. They would come here. And we had a great relationship together. And her husband was actually more like the older brother I never had. And so he spoke into my life a lot growing up and was always there for me. So how was your relationship with your mom and dad? Were you closer to one than the other? Did your dad work a lot? What was that like? Um, I was close to both of them. My dad coached every football, baseball team I was ever on from the time I could pick up a bat and ball, you know, until high school days. He was always there. And they made a commitment that one of them would be at every activity I ever did. And they stuck to that. They were very supportive. Um, my dad grew up in a very abusive home um, and went through some physical abuse. And, and his dad worked second shift and was never at any of his things he did growing up as far as sports or school or anything. So he was committed to my sisters and I that he he or my mom would be at every event we ever did. And they were there. I could always look up in the stands and see my mom and dad there. If I was on stage singing a song, I could look out in the audience and see my mom and dad there. They were always there and supporting everything I did. Well, it sounds like you had a really healthy relationship with your parents. And it sounds like that you didn't have a lot of dysfunction. But I noticed, I know now, looking back, I recognize that there were some dysfunctions in my family that I didn't recognize at the time. But now I'm like, yeah, that was codependency or, yeah, there were some anger issues going on there. Did you notice, do you notice now any dysfunctions in your family relations that you maybe didn't when you were a child? Yes, I do. And um Looking back at the dysfunction, I, I really just fed off of approval of others. I really became a pleaser um, and whatever I could do to, to be the best, to be the center of attention, to be in the limelight, to be in front of everybody, to gain their approval, because I thought I had to perform to get acceptance. And I really think looking back now, that's really kind of what started my, my stumble or my snowball effect in my life because I was continually performance driven in everything I did. And, and I was very blessed growing up, Eric. I was the quarterback of the football team, pitcher on the baseball team, you know, class favorite, class president. Um, you know, I sang all the specials, you know, at school. I was in all the choirs. I was in all the performances. Everything I did, I was in the limelight. that was always performance driven. And that's what I, I thrived on because I thought if I could perform, people would like me and they would accept me. And that's what I was driven to do. It was that acceptance that just pushed me, pushed me, pushed me, and slowly just went off the deep end, I guess you could say. So it sounds like on the outside, people would say, man, Stephen's got it all together. What did Stephen think about himself? So what was going on on the inside of your life? Did you think that you were everything that you were portraying, or did you have some insecurities? Definitely insecurity. Um, I, I think that's what it was, was that insecurity, because I knew if I didn't win the race, if I didn't make the winning play, you know, throw the winning pass, whatever it was, 
um, that insecurity of will people still like me if I make a mistake? If I fumble or I throw an interception, are people not going to like me after that? So it sounds like you had a Christian environment. So I know that the gospel was presented to you probably two or three times a week at church. And so tell me, was there any God moments in your life? I mean, did you make a profession of your faith early or how did that happen as a youth? So when I was seven years old, um, my mom came to me about accepting Christ and, and talked to me about it. And I went down front during the hymn, Amazed, um, Just As I Am, was playing when I went down front. I'll never forget that. And I was baptized as a child with a friend of mine. And so I was baptized as a child, but I never understood what I was doing. It didn't ever click. And honestly, once I got into my teenage years, um, my church attendance was more dependent upon which girls were going to be at church versus what sermon was going to be preached. Okay, so let's just be honest. I was I was more about playing the sports at the church and what girls were going to be watching and giving me all the accolades than what was being spoken from the pulpit. So I played sports in high school as well, and I know that a lot of times the friends that you have in the sports arena aren't necessarily or they don't necessarily believe the same things that you believe, and maybe they're living in a way that would not be approved of with my relationship with God. And so how are you, because you kind of mentioned a performance uh, attitude and wanting to perform and please other people and stuff. So how did that work out for you in high school as you started becoming an adolescent? Did you kind of have two lives there, or did you uh, you know, share Christ with your friends? Or how, how, did, uh, how did that work with you in high school? I love that question because the way I answer that, I tell people that I was a country club Christian. So I went to all the games and the golf tournaments and the dinners, but during the week I could live a different life because on Sunday I was real good at putting on the mask and being the perfect little, you know, youth that everybody wanted their daughter to marry because they saw me as the perfect little Christian because I could wear that mask and I could play the part of being the perfect little Christian, but I wasn't living it during the week. I was, I was something else during the week. And that continued on even um, in college. And even when I got married and that's kind of what ended up leading up to really when God really got a hold of me in my life. So where did uh, you're in high school? It sounds to me like you were an athlete. Did you, did that carry into college? Did you get a scholarship or what, how did, how did you go from high school into college? Eric, I only went to college one year, and then after my freshman year of college, I started dating a girl back home during that summer and um, was about to go back to college. And to keep that relationship, um, I decided to stay home and not leave town and decided to marry her um, because that was the answer. You know what? Um, I'll just be honest, Eric, it was, there was sexual stuff involved with her. And I thought, Hey, if we're having sex, then we should get married. So let's get married and go down that route. So I got engaged very young and married at the age of 20, 19 or 20. And, um, God was not part of the relationship at all. It was, it was just a physical relationship, honestly. And looking back, we were both at that same point where we could both wear the mask every Sunday be the happy little Christian couple. People will say, how are you doing? Oh, well, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, that was our answer. Um, Cause I could do that and she could too. 
But without God as the center of our relationship, it just snowballed and got worse and worse and worse when that physical attraction was gone. And there was not that aspect of it because the entire relationship was built on physical, you know, the physical aspect of stuff. There was no spiritual connection. There was no relational connection of any kind. Um, it just slowly started deteriorating and it just got worse and worse over the years. So did you drop out of college then? And if you did, what did you do for a living? I mean, did, I'm assuming that you uh, got a job somewhere and you guys uh, either bought a house or rented a house. What happened then? Well, we actually um, got an apartment. She was working and I was working for an organization that's up there in your neck of the woods by the name of Walmart. So I worked for Walmart for, for seven years. Um, but while I was in college, my parents um, knew that I needed an education to really get ahead. So they came to me and said, hey, if you'll continue working at Walmart and go to school, we will pay for your education if you'll finish your education. So I went back to college in my early years of marriage. Um, and so when I got out of college, I actually went in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time. And, and it was the legal side of pharmaceuticals, Eric. It wasn't the illegal side of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> when I tell guys in prison all the time, I always tell them I was in the drug business. Okay, but it was the legal drug business. So <laughs> I did that for several years. But honestly, Eric, I got tired of sitting in a cubicle. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that performance um, ability in the corporate world. I wasn't getting all the accolades. I wasn't winning. I wasn't doing this. Everybody wasn't patting Steven on the back all the time, telling me what a great job I was doing. So I said, I must, I need to change careers. And so I decided to change careers. And through that career change, I went back and got my alternative certification to become a teacher and a football coach. Uh, you know how sports are here in Texas. And so I thought, you know what? I was a great athlete growing up. I loved sports. I was always a great coach. And so I went back and started teaching science and became a football coach and basketball coach here in Texas. And uh, I started teaching and coaching. And again, I went back to that performance mentality. Then I became the, you know, Coach Wilson on campus. Everybody wanted to be around Coach Wilson. Everybody wanted to talk to Coach Wilson. My, my teams were undefeated. Uh, my last year in coaching, we went 16-0. and 0, um, And they'd gone 16-0 and 0 the year before. So I took this group of guys 32-0 and 0 in two years. And wow. so again... Um, I was excelling, doing well, but honestly, during that time, Eric, that's when my marriage was really struggling. Um, and we'd been married at the time, I'm, I'm guessing about 10 years. And, uh, it was just, I don't know. I wasn't getting that, those accolades and those attaboys at home. So I started looking for them somewhere else and started drifting another direction, um, with, with women at work. And, and just those emotional type affairs at home, flirting around the office, talking to other ladies, um, doing stuff like that. There wasn't any physical stuff going on, but there was definitely a lot of emotional attachments taking place. Um, and it was honestly because I liked to feel like I was the man. I was the guy. I was whatever. Um, and I wasn't getting it here. And so I started searching for it there. And that's where it actually led up to my crime and everything else that happened. 
So let me ask you this. We didn't really approach this, but in, in school, high school, going into college, whatever, was there any substance abuse at all? Or was there, uh, in, you know, you mentioned kind of having the good Christian face on at church and then you would go out with your friends or whatever. I mean, did you experiment at all with, with those kind of things or, or were you on the straight and narrow? I was on the straight and narrow as far as substance abuse. Um, the only thing I experimented with was the physical aspect of stuff with the opposite sex. That was my drug of choice, if you want to say it that way. <laughs> Tell me what led to the events of you being incarcerated. Again, I, I'll start out by saying, Eric, I had horrible boundaries as an educator with my students. Okay, I tried to be their best friend instead of their coach or their educator. And I, I dropped all those boundaries and, and let them get way too close. And that's what led to me having an inappropriate relationship with the student there. And But during that time... Um, nothing physical had ever happened between me and the student sexually, but I had horrible boundaries and let her get way too close to me. But during that time, it just so happened, the church I was going to at that time, the, the pastor there was doing a, a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And Eric, it seemed like every week when I was sitting there, when I'd get up, my, my feet were sore because he was stepping on my toes so much. Okay. He, it was just, I was like, he must know everything I'm doing because he's speaking right to me. You know, I didn't understand at the time that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me in the aspect of that. But it's it really started me questioning where I was, what I had become, what I was doing. Obviously, I had the amazing Christian upbringing with mom and dad. So I knew all the right answers. I could win the sword drills in the Bible and be the first one there. Um, but I never applied it to my life. I never lived it. I said I had all the head answers, but I never had Jesus in my heart. I'd never submitted my life to Christ. And through that sermon series, through the Sermon on the Mount, it just started hitting me like, what have I become? What am I doing? God, you have plans for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in the future. And, and I'd gone so far off the other direction. I just, I got sick of looking in the mirror and seeing who I'd become. How many kids did you have during this time period? Uh, during that time period, we had two, uh, two boys, and my wife at the time was pregnant with our third. Okay. It was during her pregnancy, and I just got really tired of looking at myself in the mirror saying, what have I become? What's going on? Uh, the relationship at school could have easily gone a lot further if I would have just said yes. Um, it could have gone down a road that would have been horrible. Um, and it was already an aspect that was horrible, but it could have gone a lot worse. And so I just um, honestly looked in the mirror one day and said, God, I've, I've got to, I've got to change. I've got to submit my life to you. I always like to tell things chronologically, Eric. So I always remember yeah. dates and times and, and things like that. So February 24th, 2002. So a little over 20 years ago, one Sunday morning, I got up and and uh, my wife at the time had found some um, love notes from the girl in my vehicle. And so that had exposed the relationship of what was going on and, and things were real rocky. But I got up that morning, it was a Sunday morning. And I just told her, I said, I need to spend some time by myself today. You take the boys, go to church. I got to do something. And I just started driving around and I drove around. I don't know how long. And finally I, was, I said, okay, I can't drive around forever. So I, I pulled into the Budget Inn in North Richland Hills, Texas, and I rented a room. I just walked up, rented a room. 
I went to that room. I took nothing in there except my Bible. I walked into that room. I got down on my knees beside that bed and just started pouring my heart out to God. I just sat there and cried and cried and cried, Eric. I said, what have I become, God? You know, what is going on? What am I doing? Where am I headed? What is just, it was just a flood of emotions just came to me like never before. And and I did something that day. I sat there for several hours just crying. And I finally did something that a, a youth minister we'd done years before. But what I did was I pulled an old bulletin out of my Bible. You remember those bulletins we used to have back in the Baptist days that had the picture of the church on the front and the calendar on the back and order of worship in the middle. And so I pulled that out and I got a pen and I started writing on that piece of paper every sin in my life that I'd never repented of, never asked forgiveness for. And I just filled that page up front and back, every little thing. I just said, God revealed to me things as far back as I can remember as a kid that I've sinned that's in my life that I've never repented of. And I just wrote everything I could find on that. And after I filled it up front and back, I sat there and wrote 1 John 1, 9 across it, which says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I sat there and I read that verse out loud with tears running down my face. And I said, okay, God, I'm never going back. That's it. I'm going to leave this place a new creation in Christ. So I actually got up. It wasn't the best hotel in the world. Okay. So I went over to the nightstand and got some matches out. And I walked into the bathroom of that little hotel and I struck a match and I lit that little paper on fire and sat there and watched it burn. And Eric, I walked out of that hotel room, a new man in Christ. I said, I'm not ever going back. I drew the line in the sand. That was like my Damascus Road type experience. Um, and since then, God has been so amazing. But through all that, um, I had relationships that were had been destroyed, things that were going on. Um, I had to cut off a bunch of things and, and I started counseling with my wife at the time. And through that, more of my past started coming out and things that had happened with those emotional affairs from the past started coming out. And, and just um, all the sin from my past. Um, you know, God forgives us for that sin, but we still have to face the consequences of those sins. Um, and I had some consequences I needed to face. So together with my wife at that time and a counselor we were going to, I, I, I called and turned myself in for the inappropriate relationship with the student I was having to the authorities. I actually ended up getting a charge with an attempted crime. So here in Texas, things are a little different. So I got charged with attempted indecency with a child. And that was the official charge that I got because as an educator, I did have access and it was going a direction that they said something could have eventually happened. So um, they arrested me and charged me with that. And I ended up doing two years inside the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And then um, that was it. I got a two year sentence. So, so let me ask you this. Did you, would you say that your salvation experience, the time when you asked Christ would be in that hotel room? Was that whenever Christ, where you received Christ into your life? Uh, is that when that happened? Or would you say that was in prison? I would say it was in the hotel room on February 24, 2002. That was the first time, Eric, I got down on my knees and submitted my life to Christ. Now, I still had issues in my life I had to work through. Um, I didn't immediately just snap and become the perfect Christian. 
you know, I had a lot of consequences I had to deal with, a lot of sin in my life, a lot of things I had to work through those steps of recovery, honestly, to get out of. Um, but that was the turning point in my life. I, I like to refer to the Apostle Paul a lot. You know, he was a Pharisee and had all the head knowledge. Imagine that he, he had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. I mean, come on. Who memorizes Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers? Really? Really? Even if I could have got through Genesis and Exodus, you get to those, you're just falling asleep most of the time. He had memorized all those, but still did not have a relationship with Christ. It wasn't until his Damascus Road experience where the scales fell off his eyes. And that time in the hotel room was when the scales fell off my eyes and I never looked at the world or anything else the same again. But it took me getting on my face and being broken, just like David was in Psalm 51, when the prophet Nathan came to him and said, you're the man, I know you did it. And David was broken. And he wrote Psalms 51 about brokenness. When I experienced that, Eric, I never went back. I never went back. When I see guys dealing with addiction and recovery and, and issues in their life, when they reach that point of brokenness and fall on their face, they'll never go back. And that's what I experienced. Thanks, Pastor Stephen, for sharing the first part of your story with us. On the next episode, Pastor Stephen will continue his story and describe his experience with being incarcerated. Hey, if you are listening today and you've made some bad choices, maybe those bad choices have led you down a path of destruction, or maybe they have given you some dire consequences. King David wrote in Psalms 51, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. It's as if David was saying, change is possible. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.